Joshua 7. And uh, God's so good. Hallelujah. Appreciate just what God is doing. And, um, you know, he's going to. I know there are so many in this world. The Bible talks about it. It, it it's, it's already already there in these last days telling us that there's going to be a lot of people that are religious. But that they are just ignorant of the word of God. A lot of different ceremony, a lot of different tradition we talked about. But God will tell us just what we need. He's God, and He knows what we need. And uh, we need to get back to the Word of God. There's a lot of things I can tell you for myself. When I've come to church, some things made me uncomfortable too. Amen. Some things I didn't understand. But you dig into the Word of God, ask questions... Well, you'll find out God's ways are so much better than our ways. And you, after a while, you're going to start hearing from God. God's going to start talking to your heart. God's going to start showing up and working things in your life. And, and uh, the more you give Him, the more He has to work with, the more you'll, you'll see His working in your life. And I want to help that happen in your life. Joshua, the seventh chapter. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank you for what we've already heard and what we've already felt, God. And, Lord, we are thanking you, Lord, for just, an, just another time to get into your word together, Lord. I pray you talk to us, strengthen us, teach us, God. And there's so many different people here with so many different needs, God. I pray that your spirit would just reach down to each one of us personally and give us what we need. Give us all an ear to hear. A heart that would be doing your word, God. We love you. We thank you, God. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua 7, verse 2. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for there are but a few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Sherebiah. Shabarim and smote them in the going down wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water God bless you, you can be seated I'm sure some of you are saying I'm really kind of lost I'm not sure exactly what's going on and that's all right. we're going to catch you up here remember now I'm sure a lot of us understand that God's people had ended up and we Start here a lot because there's, there's a lot of symbolism in this. God put it in the Bible for us. All these things happen for our examples, the Bible says. So when we recognize that at one point God's people were in bondage in Egypt, the Bible explains this as a symbol, really, of a New Testament truth, a present-day truth that... Before Jesus comes into our life, we are slaves to sin. Nobody here is looking down on you and saying, you ought to know better, you ought to do better, you're a bad person. No, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And without recognizing how Jesus wants to be your Savior, you're going to be lost and bound in that sin. They were crying out. They got to a place where they said, we're sick and tired of this. We're sick and tired of being slaves. We're sick of my life. I need to be free. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. If you're not tired of sin, I pray whatever has to happen happens in your life that you realize sin is not doing you any favors. I pray whatever has to happen, you get tired of not having Jesus be your Savior and your friend and being right with God. Because no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read your Bible, if you haven't turned away from that sin and been freed from the the chains of it, you're still in bondage. And you're not really where God wants you to be. God doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want you to be bound in chains. He came to set the captives free. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, freedom. And you'll see what happened is God sends Moses. And uh, there's a sacrifice that Brother Mike was talking about. The, the lamb, the Passover lamb, the blood was applied. Pointing towards Jesus who would die on the cross for our sins. That his blood would be applied to our hearts. And they went out of Egypt and they're heading toward God. said, I've got something better for you. That's what I love about this. I've got something better for you than all your, 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 your addictions, your crutches, everything you're, you're leaning on. And still it's not satisfying you. I've got something that you're going to fulfill a place for you that you're going to fulfill how I create what I created you to be. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to give you a, a place in that, that you can shine, that others can see my glory through you. I'm going to take your gifts. I'm going to take what I created you to be, everything you are. I'm going to put you finally in a place. Don't wait for your break. Don't wait for good luck to happen. Run to Jesus. Let him set you free. He's got that plan for your life. Hallelujah. Well, that's what was happening in the Old Testament. The children of God were, were set free from, from the slavery of Egypt. And God said, I'm going to put you into the promised land. Now, they had some, some hiccups along the way, I suppose you could say. And that's for another message. But they get into the promised land. This is a place God's saying that you're going to... You're going to be in a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to, to, to be blessed and you're going to shine your light to all, everybody around you. They're going to see something in you with it. They're going to wish they had what you have. That's the plan of God. But understand something. There were battles. Everything's not easy yet. It's not always just going to go smoothly. What do we say? Expect some battles. When they get into the promised land, a lot of people have heard this. There have been a lot of, a lot of uh, Sunday school songs and storybooks done about Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho. Anybody ever hear Jericho? It was a walled city. This is the first city they came to. Now, I want to point out something here at the beginning of this message that is really not a side point. This is something you need to realize what we're talking about here today. Because a lot of people are fighting battles, right? 
The devil attacks a lot of times and comes against us and, and, and tries to wear us down and tries to, to discourage us and cause us to look back or cause us to give up or cause us to stumble. Amen? But this wasn't that kind of battle. It wasn't. I know sometimes that's all people, Christians, think about. Devil's fighting me. Devil's fighting me all day. Devil's coming against me. Oh, I don't know how I can make it through. Just going to try to make it through another day, one day at a time, because the devil's been just, just working on me all day long. That wasn't this kind of battle. This was a battle where they said, this belongs to us. You've got to get out of here. That's where the church needs to be. Where we look at what God has promised us, and we are on the offensive now. You remember, that's what Jesus said. I know some of you heard me say it many, many times. When Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The devil doesn't come swinging gates at you trying to beat you down. Gates are a, are a defense. We are storming the gates of the enemy to get what belongs to us. We have to be aggressive. Jesus said... The, the kingdom of God, it, it experiences violence, but the violent have to take it by force. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not fighting one another. We're not fighting people in our neighborhood or on our job. But we are fighting principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. What I'm telling you today is you've got to look at some of the things that need to be in your life, that should be in your life, that God's promised to in your life, and not just say, Oh, you know what? The devil is keeping me from this. And say, I am going to take the promises of God by faith. And any time the enemy tries to show up and, hey, let me tell you more about Jericho. Jericho was a miracle. It was a, just an amazing, mind-blowing miracle victory. That when the time came and they won that battle... Nobody, nobody could say, wow, we're pretty strong. Wow, look at how good we did. It was God proving a point. See, Jericho had very high walls, and God gave them a ridiculous, are you hearing me? A ridiculous, as far as our understanding, battle plan. March around the walls seven times every day. Why? Because I'm doing this. On the seventh day, march around again on the seventh time, blow the trumpets, and shout unto the Lord, Amen, and I'm going to give you that city. Those walls came down, and they got victory in that city. The power of that was in the obedience of the people of God to say, You know what? We're going to do what God said. It doesn't seem like it makes sense right now. But when it's all said and done, we want to hear from God and do what God's telling us to do. And when God gave them that victory, there's nobody that could say, wow, we knocked down walls good. That was God. It was God from beginning to end. And he was teaching them their very first battle coming in the promised land was let me show you where your strength really lies. You follow me. You keep your eyes on me. You be obedient to me. And I'm going to give you victory Crazy victory. Amen. That was a faith builder. That, was, that should have been a faith builder. So, 
Remember something. God's, God's got a plan for your life. Don't look around and, and sing the blues and get discouraged and depressed. Sometimes you have to act on what the Word of God is telling you. And believe that as you obey Him, He's going to start doing some things. You're looking at this probably as they marched around that building, or that, that wall rather, second day, third day. Sometimes you feel like, what's, what's taking so long? What is this all about? I don't understand what this has to do with anything. Keep letting God work. Keep trusting God. Keep obeying Him. When it's all said and done, you're going to see God work in your life in a greater way than you could ever imagine. In the meantime, before that happens, just trust in and obey Him. Amen? But some of you need to realize as well, I've told people this for years already. Oh, I don't understand why I'm always beat down. I don't understand why the devil's always seems like he's got the upper hand. I don't understand why it's just always me just, just, just down looking up. And I say, you need to turn the tables on the enemy. You need to stop playing defense and start getting on the offense. You need to start getting up in the morning and say, hey, God, what do you have for me? And what am I missing? And go after it. Amen. If I'm losing, if I don't have joy, go after it. Devil, you're not going to steal my joy. If I don't have peace, go after it. Get the promises of God. Tell the devil he's got to flee. You have victory. It's time to exercise faith. Amen. It's time to recognize that God's people are not passive. God bless you. God bless you. To God be the glory. God's people are not passive. We don't sit back and say, well, God, I'm, 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 I'm just kind of waiting on you. No, God's going to give you orders. God's going to tell you what you need to do, how you need to do it. And you say, well, I'm praying about it. That can be a big part of it. But sometimes when you get up, you need to do what God told you to do. I could pray all day, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But until you say, I'm going to turn from that, I'm not going to go back to that. It's just words. God, I, I, I want you to work in my life. I want you to work in my life. And God opens the door and says, hey, go walk through that. Oh, I'm scared, God. You do it. You do the work. Touch them. Talk to their hearts. And he's saying, you talk to them. we got to learn how to be led by the Spirit. Got to learn how to let God lead us to fight battles and win battles. I'm not saying we're not going to get attacked. I'm not saying there aren't some times we need to fight back. But I'm telling you, we need to be aggressively reach, looking at the things we are lacking and say, what do I need to do to win? Amen. But, you know, Jericho was the first battle, but there was a second battle here that I want to talk about. That we read here. This is what we're reading. After Jericho happened, I'm sure spirits were high. I'm sure everybody's excited. And they come to the next city. And it was a plan of God. Hey, don't stop here. Sometimes people get a victory and something good happens. And for the next 20 years, they're talking about, oh, I can tell you how God worked for me. Hey, tell people about that, but keep it up to date. Get some victory today. Right? Thank God for what he did. Don't forget about what he did, but let him keep doing. And sometimes that's up to us. So they come to the second city. Second, and it's going to be the second battle. Are you with me? So, again, recognize this is God's people on the offense. They didn't come attacking Israel. They said this belongs to us. This is God's promise to us. This is what God gave us. 
And we need to look at the Bible and say, hey, you know what? God's given us some things. And they're moving in and, and God's leading them in victory. But they start, let me say they forgot that God did something beyond their wisdom, beyond their reasoning. I mean, nobody in that, if they would have had a meeting on how to overcome Jericho, their walls are so big, nobody would have ever said, well, let's march around it seven times for seven days. Well, what are you going to do after that? Let's yell. (laughs) You know, that, that sounds like a good plan. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I like his plan. They'd say, get out of here. You lost your mind. But that's what God told them to do. They should have learned. Let's hear what God has to say about this. You're doing good. You listen to God. You obeyed Him against your own understanding. You leaned on Him. And He gave you more. You're doing better than you were before. You're in the promised land. Now you're gaining ground. They come to a small city called Ai. Small city with small name. And they look at this and they start strategizing. That that had nothing to do with their victory thus far. But sometimes isn't that what we do? We've seen miracles, we've seen blessings, and then we go back into this idea, you know, I got this figured out. I know how we can do this. This makes sense to me. I'm no dummy. I know how to. And this, and they say, this is such a little town, such a little city, rather. We don't even have to send all of our troops in. Why aren't they praying? Why aren't they saying, God, what's the plan this time? I don't know. They, I mean, if it, you would think, I don't want to say if it was me, because, you know, sometimes, the, you know, we doubt as much as they do sometimes. But you would think, knowing what we know, they'd say, wow, I don't know what he's going to do. Who knows? It was my, this might, uh, might just surprise us, but I bet he's going to give us the victory. I know he is. But instead, they look at this, start sizing them up and say, oh, easy. This is light work. This is easy. Let's not get everybody dirty. Let's just send in a fraction of our troops. Let most of them stay home and... We got no problem with this. We're God's people. This makes sense. We know how to fight. We're winners. And they're all all this sounds good. There's not a bit of it that doesn't make sense. Except these are God's people. We need to be praying about it. We need to be finding out what God has to say about it. Everything that they did was reasonable. I want to tell you something. Not every way people fall, and this is really getting a little closer to what we want to preach about today. Not everything that leads us down a bad path to disaster is some horrible plot to go against the will of God. Sometimes we just start leaning on ourselves and thinking we know enough that we don't really have to pray and bring this before God and say, God, I've got some ideas here, and I think they're great ideas. And if you want, I'll take a long time and explain to you how, how great of an idea I have. But before I do any of that, let me just put that down and say, God, talk to me. God, you've got better for us. You've got victory for us. I know you've got a plan for good. I know that. And you've already proved it. But rather than come up with a strategy that makes sense to me, God, lead me. 
God, guide me in your way, in your timing, in your methods. Because at the end of the day, I told you Gideon, there was a battle that God said, when this is all said and done, I don't want you looking at yourselves and thinking you, you won this battle. I want, I want you to give me glory through this, and I want everybody to know what a great God I am. And he does things like that. But they, they missed it. it. It seemed like a no-brainer, but it wasn't a no-faither. They should have they realized, hey, we need to stop and trust in God and ask him what, the, what his will is. But they said, let's just go easy. These guys are going to be so piece of cake, you know. We'll send two or 3,000, and they ended up sending about 3,000 men in. And you know what happened? They got beat. The children of God got beat. They got out there in front of that small city, and they got scared. It says their hearts melted. That shouldn't have happened as far as they're concerned. We're God's people. We don't lose. We win. But they found themselves running, and 36 people died in that battle. We say, well, that's, that's, that, that's a lot when you come up against a big city like Jericho and, and nobody, no, no life lost on God's side. Now this is a defeat, and they're discouraged. I want to tell somebody here today that sometimes it's the little things that we allow and disregard that can be the dangerous things. We can get overconfident and get an attitude where we know enough to just cruise a little while and just not, not think some things are such a big deal in our, in our relationship with God. And because we've won some battles. We're doing better than we were doing. We're doing better than a lot of those other people we can see not doing so good. But it was that little city that caused loss of life. It was that little city that made, a, made the difference between winning and losing for the children of God. What was it? It was that little thing that they said. It's no big deal. We, it's such an insignificant battle we don't even have to pray about it. That never, ever worked for the people of God in the Bible. They should have stopped and said, God, is this your, what's your plan? I want to hear what your spirit would say to us. And in a day like today, when the church is being battled, when people, families are, are, are getting hit by the enemy, but also God is trying to lead us on to take ground and do better, to see the gifts of the spirit, to see souls saved, to see victory in our lives and in our homes. Amen. God wants us to fight for these things. God wants us to, to apply ourselves to these things. But sometimes we get overconfident and we forget that it's God's Spirit that's got to lead us. I know maybe not everybody's hearing what I have to say this morning, but some of you, you know God's talking to you. There are situations in your life where you've got to stop. You've got to slow down and say, God, I, I, I want to hear I want to hear you. I want you to lead me. Sometimes I pray and... and, and and, and I don't know, I'm not sure, but I still take that time and say, God, would you at least, if I'm not sure what to do, and, but i got to do something, I can't wait any longer, will you please close the doors? Yeah. That might be the wrong direction for me. Will you open the right doors? Will you give me that opportunity? Let me see what I need to do. Yeah. That second battle of AI, it was a battle where they, 
got confident in their own strength, confident in their own wisdom, confident in their own strategy, so confident that they didn't have to stop and say, you know, maybe we ought to pray about this. Somebody said we don't have to send them all in, just send in a small army, a small fraction of our army. And somebody should have said, did you pray about that? Sometimes that's a blow. Sometimes I've seen people get angry. They say, I know what I'm going to do. It makes perfect sense. And the preacher comes by and says, have we really prayed about that? Who do you think you are? You call me a dummy? Who do you think you are? You think I haven't thought about this all day, all week? Who do you think I am? You don't think I, 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 I understand things like this? I've been through some things. I've been living for God longer than you've been out of diapers, man. They can't, not a lot of people say that anymore. I used to hear that a lot a couple years ago. A couple. Because pride says, we got this. Pride says, I'm so strong, I don't need to talk to God about it. Pride says, it's just a little thing. It's not that big of a deal. You know, in, in the book of Song of Solomon, in the second chapter, you can turn to it if you want to, but Song of Solomon is a beautiful love song, love story between a bride and a bridegroom. And when you start becoming more familiar with the Bible, you'll not only see that God is putting his stamp of approval on, on romance within a marriage, but he also has that symbolism of of Christ in the church, the bride and the bridegroom, and that beautiful relationship that he has for us that ought to be all about love. And in the midst of this this love song, it says in chapter 2, verse 15, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Very symbolic of their relationship, but he's saying, be careful about those little foxes. They're going to come in to our garden, our vineyard, and they're the ones that are going to destroy the grapes when they're still tender. What he's saying is, just because they're little doesn't mean they're not dangerous. Just because they're little won't mean they won't cause a lot of damage. What's the Bible say about the, the tongue is a little member, but it can cause a great big fire. So often it's the little things that when you're loving God and, and, and serving Him, there's nothing that doesn't matter to you. He's my Lord. That means something to you. Your whole life, God, whatever it is, I want to serve you with it. It doesn't have to be just the things that I think are important. God, everything, I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. I belong to you, God, because everything I've given to you, you've just cleaned it up and and made it work so much better, and you bless me. Amen? But so often we say, okay, God, you can have this part of my life, but not that part of my life. You can have maybe Sunday, but maybe not, uh, not Monday. You can have just different compartments of my my life and who I am. You're Lord at times. That doesn't work that way. But we have to be prayerfully aware of the will of God. 
recognizing what's this Bible say about it? What are the what are the principles in here? What are the what did God say about it? What does God love and what does God hate? Let me get close as I can to things He loves. If God loves it, He loves it for a reason. Did you know that? There's a lot of people that do. A lot of people have been in church all their lives and said, "You know, there's some things God really loves." Of course, of course, God loves loves everything, doesn't He? He's just He is love. I said, "You know, there's some things He hates." What? Oh yeah, it's in there. Some things, you know, some things tick Him off. Some things will anger Almighty God. Oh, you're one of those Old Testament. No. No. No, you, you, you can find it in your New Testament. It's a New Testament. He said God, our God is a consuming fire. Amen. I, I'm not just preaching doom and gloom here, but I'm just saying if God is, is real and it's not just us we're worshiping, then we're going to find out what he loves and what he doesn't love, what he... What he what he, what he draws near to and what he resists. And I don't want to play games with that. I don't ever want to be in a point where I'm saying, God, I know you, you probably aren't excited about this, but I think it's just a little thing. Like AI? 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. People sit and watch videos on their phone for three or four hours. Sit in church for a little while and we get antsy. I want to tell you what, this is this will save you. This will bless your life. This will help you get to heaven. Amen. This will help you win battles. First Corinthians five, verse six. He tells them your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. There's a situation going on in there, and, and, and I want you to be familiar with the context of that. It's very important to us that we don't pull things out of context. But what's happening is Paul is talking to the church, and he's saying, you know what? Just the same way if you would ask, is there, is there, any, is there any yeast in that bread? Well, just a little. Well, then it's, it's leavened. It's, got, it's in there. It's, I'm not asking how much. If there's a little in it. Then it's in it. Is there, you know, you might be allergic to something. Are, are there, are there, you know, so there's a big, I guess most people are aware of like peanut allergies, you know. Are there peanuts in it? Are there nuts in this? I mean, a little. I didn't ask how much. Right? I, I got to know if there's any in there. Well, it's just a little. Well, then there's nuts in it. It's not a matter of is there any in it. There's a matter of. Or how much is in it? It's, it's, it's about, is there any in it? Because that's dangerous to me. Paul is saying that, he's saying to them, the leaven that he's talking about here, or yeast we would say, is kind of an example or a type of, of, of sin that was in the church. I didn't tell you this, but if you read the first verse of that chapter in Joshua, the reason they lost their battle and they didn't pray first was because there was sin. And God said, before you go to battle, you need to deal with that. And if you don't deal with that, it doesn't matter if it's one person there. It's going to affect your army. And that's like us. There's, if there's just one small area in our lives, it's going to affect your victory. If they would have stopped and prayed, he would have said, get on your knees, take care of the sin that's in your life, and then go win the battle. 
But they didn't take that time, and they had to find out the hard way. God tells the church in the New Testament, I know it's grace, right? It's mercy. Absolutely. But God told the church, hey, you've got a little sin in that church. You've got a little sin in there that you're not dealing with because you said it's a little. It's sin. And that's going to affect the whole lump. Amen. You could say, well, this is my business, nobody else's. You affect the people around you. Don't be so selfish. You affect the people in your family. Yes, you do. You affect, you affect the presence of God. Amen. Paul said this very clearly. You've got you to gotta purge that out. You've got to deal with that. Little lies the devil will tell you. You're okay. It's not that big of a deal. A big a deal to who? Did God tell you it's not a big deal or is it not a big deal to you? Did God say, oh, I don't, I, I, I could show you chapter and verse. That's not, uh, yeah, it's, it's a problem, but it's a small problem. You know, God doesn't work that way in his Bible. He's going to help you overcome. He's going to help you fight battles and win. When we start saying, I just don't think it's that big of a deal, you don't think, but what does God think? What does God think? Little sins, little lies that the enemy tells you. Oh, I'm not really serious right now, but I'm telling you, one day I'm going to get serious. I'm going to be so serious, I'm not going to be like a lot of the hypocrites around here. I'm really going to live for God. One day at a time, believe in that little lie. If he can just tell you the lie one more time. I've heard uh, I've heard it in church. Uh, how many times I've heard it from people just bound and addicted. This will be the last time. One more time, but this is it. Just That's all the devil needs to tell you. Just one more. This will be it. After this, you're done. Can I tell you something? It's those little lies. It's those little concessions to wrong that affect other areas in our life. That you know you're not completely yielded to God. You know you're not completely sold out to God. And it affects you. It affects your, your, your relationship with God. It affects your presence. The Bible talks about it in John, uh, 1 John. It says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If you're not in the light, it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect fellowship. Amen. If you feel like you're... you're I know a lot of people, oh, I, I, just, I just don't feel like I, I have the fellowship I need to. Are, are you living in darkness? Are, you, is there, are there secret sins in your life? That, that's going to bring conviction and condemnation in your life that will affect the unity that, you, that God wants you to feel. That's what the Bible says. Galatians. We're almost done. Galatians 5. Verse 7. A lot of little things. I'm telling you, the churches today don't, don't even resemble what used to be just... I don't know how to, how to put it, what, what church used to be. Because of all the little foxes that have been, oh, we don't worry about that. Does the Bible talk about it? Oh, we don't think that's a big deal. Did God say that? We don't think that's important. Did God say it wasn't important? Oh, we can fight this little town and win. It doesn't matter. Did, they, did that make it so? Because they thought so? Oh, no. Not at all. How many times I've seen people just one little step. I've seen a lot of great, great victories. People just taking little baby steps toward God. Just getting better. Growing in faith. Fighting battles and winning. But I've seen many more people just take one justified step at a time. Oh, this isn't a big deal. 
this won't hurt. This isn't important. I don't think this really matters. This won't send me to hell. And all along, I still pray. I still read the Bible. I, I mean, I don't get filled up with God's power anymore. I don't really fellowship with saints anymore. I don't really, yeah, but that doesn't matter. I still love God. And I still, but all along, making more and more decisions, getting them away. Little lies that are so dangerous. Little justifications of things where God's saying, you know you need to get right with God. Galatians 5 verse 7 says, you did run well. You were doing so good. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you a little leaven. There it is again. Leaveneth the whole lump. You were doing so good. But now you're, you're weak. You're struggling. You're, 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 you're hurting. What, what, did somebody influence you? Did somebody... What, what persuasion, what little seed of doubt was planted in your life to cause you to slow down, to turn around, to say it doesn't really matter like that. I thought I needed to just re- yield my life to God completely, but now I feel like some I don't need to do. Who persuaded you you were running so well? You know, one of the neatest characters in the history of the New Testament church, is, as far as in our Bible times go, is a man named Barnabas. Just a great guy. Not a lot said about him, but what is said, you're just like, oh, thank God for, for somebody who's got a spirit of Barnabas. Barnabas was just an encourager. He was always there. You know, when Paul... When Paul got saved, Paul was, a, was a, just a maniac against the church. And he was seeing people killed. And Barnabas, when he met Jesus, people didn't trust him. Barnabas stepped out and said, I trust him. I'll, I'll vouch for him. I'll put, stick my neck out for him. I heard his testimony. This is real. You guys get over yourself. This is what Jesus does. Barnabas was just, he, he was the first one. Hey, we're, we're, uh, we're, going to take up an offering for the poor. Barnabas is like, you know, I've got extra property over here. I'm selling it, and, and I want people to... I mean, he was just, just a giver, just an encourager, just everything you see. When God starts spreading the church around, they send Barnabas to encourage them. And Barnabas was sent to other churches to confirm them in their faith. Tell them, hey, it's going to get tough sometimes, but you're going to be all right. We're praying for you. I mean, everything about Barnabas is amazing. But one time there was a there was a struggle in this newborn New Testament church. You know, we got people coming to church that we're not really sure about anymore. And, and, and you know, these Gentiles that come in, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're not sure how they fit. And, and some of them were saying, we, you know, we, maybe we should back off of them a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't really fellowship them. I'm not saying they're not saved, but I don't have a lot of time for that. And, and Peter was kind of caught up in that. Peter stopped really being as friendly as he could be to some of these new Gentile believers. And Barnabas got caught up in it too. The last person you'd ever think. You'd think he would have been the first one. Oh, no, come on, you sit with me. Come on, you get over here. That's the kind of, that we need to be like Barnabas. But Paul stood up and called out Peter and said, listen, what you're doing is wrong. 
And now you got Barnabas caught up in it, persuading somebody who this is his strength, and now he's caught up in it. Don't you think you're too strong to be persuaded the wrong way? When people start dropping doubt and dropping false doctrine, little lies in your heart and mind, start trying to influence you away from your strong faith and your walk with God, your dedication to God where He's everything. Oh, it'll happen sometimes for the people that you least expect it. But He said, this persuasion, who did hinder you that you didn't obey the truth? This persuasion, a little bit of influence, the wrong direction. You guard your heart. You guard your heart. Hey, listen, let me tell you something about this church. We're, we're about leading people to Jesus. That we don't have side projects. This is about loving God, serving God, getting on fire for God, getting filled up with God, doing a work for God. Everything else is a distraction. It doesn't need to be brought into the church. You just keep shining for Jesus. Help people be saved. Help people be filled. Help people go on and grow in God. That's what this is about. This is what the kingdom of God is about. Don't let something persuade you to dilute the truth of God's word. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Sister Katie, if you come. So good to have Sister Katie back with us. Let me take a few minutes. Talk to somebody here today. You... You're not sure that if your life ended today, you'd hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to, I I want to encourage you to reach out to God like never before. God's got a promise for you. This Bible tells us if we repent of our sins, turn away from sin, turn to God. Turn to Him in faith. Turn away from an old life. Be born again. Of the water and of the Spirit. That means God wants to save you. God wants to give you a new life. Say, I believe. That's good. Jesus said, He that believeth, as the Scripture said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Talking about the Holy Ghost. Say, I believe. Good. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's what Jesus said. I believe. Do you believe what He said? Do you believe what He taught? He said, You must be born again. Old things pass away. All things become new. Little steps. Little lies. But dangerous. Little battles. Listen, pay attention to God. Oh, in Jesus' name, help us. I want to surrender my life to you, God. little steps justified it's not a big deal it's not it's not that important I don't really need to find out what God thinks about it find out what the Bible says about it I'll be all right I'm smarter than that listen it's little but it's dangerous 
know who needs to hear this the most tonight, but God's trying to get your attention here. Don't justify away little sins, little influences that'll pull you away from God. Some of you here today, you know what we're talking about. Fighting battles. Your prayers. Your dedication is what we need to keep on moving forward and seeing God work in a greater measure. To see God's anointing in a greater way. Don't sit around and wait for the enemy to attack. You go ahead and push back everything the enemy's trying to do. God's using you. Thank you for not giving up, for not being weary in well-doing. There's people here today that need to understand. Backsliding doesn't happen overnight. Falling back into a life that's empty happens one harmless so-called step at a time. One little compromise at a time. Oh, in Jesus' name, help us, Lord. I'm praying for you, church. I want to see you thrive in God. I want to see you on fire. Right where God has planted you, working through you in this, with His promises. He's doing it, and He's going to do greater works than these. I know it. But let's give God every part of our lives. God, is this your will? God, lead me. Guide me. Direct my life for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, help me, God. I thank God that people that are sold out here, people that are real, I, I, I don't want to put you off in any way, but don't be careless. Don't, don't be careless. Every step, every step, Lord, I want to just keep drawing closer to you. It's those little foxes that spoil the vines. for your presence here today. Thank you for your kindness and your love. Lord, I ask you to please help us to just pay attention to your Spirit's guiding. To have ears to hear, Lord, that still small voice. Lead us, God. Lead us to higher heights. Lead us to deeper depths in you, God. and Make us aware of the times we become just too confident in our own strength. And we're not fully relying on you. Lord, I ask you to bless each one now as we, Lord, go to our homes. Bless each one, God, and keep us safe on the highways. Lord, asking you to bless the service this afternoon and this evening for your glory. We love you so much, God. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. God bless you.